Hello, you're listening to the Insights for Entrepreneurs podcast series with KPMG Private Enterprise. I'm Ian Kyo, and today I have the pleasure of talking to one of Ireland's most successful business figures, Louise Phelan. Louise is the former Vice President of Global Operations for PayPal across Europe, the Middle East and Africa, where she led a team of more than 3,000 people across multiple locations, many of whom in Ireland. Having left last year, she's now leading the Phelan Energy Group, established by her brother, which has a balance sheet of more than €150 million working on solar projects all across the world. Louise, you're very welcome. Thank you, Ian. Now, we're going to talk about people and we're going to talk about culture. But before we get to those parts, I just want to ask you about that transition. That moving from being a career multinational lifer, having a very high profile and a very significant job to the decision to to leave that and to go into a privately owned business. Yeah, so I suppose, first of all, um, I was very fortunate to work for multinational companies, US multinational companies for a significant amount of my career um, and made a decision um, last year to change that. And I always wanted to work for companies that change the world. And if you look at General Electric, they introduced the light bulb. If you look at PayPal, it democratised Um, payments and money. Um, And now I'm looking at changing the world by giving everybody the same opportunity to have power at the flick of a switch, because today not everybody has power at the flick of a switch. And also, um, it's a it's a it's a family business. um, And I just feel that I want to do some completely different. But also, I wanted new learning for me. Um, And again, the other piece was around, I was spending a lot of my life in a plane. Um, I have only travelled to Germany since I joined the job in August for one day. So um, my lifestyle has really been um, changed significantly um, and which is very enjoyable. But notwithstanding that, I had an amazing journey as a career with US multinationals. Well, it's really interesting what you said to get new learnings. I mean, most people would look at you and your CV and your career from sitting on the boards of Ryanair and the like to say, well, should you not know it all by now at this point? But it's interesting that you wanted to get a different skill set. Yeah, absolutely. And it you don't know it all. Every day, as far as I'm concerned, is a learning day. And I think it's a great opportunity. And I had run my course from the point of view of new learnings in the likes of PayPal, the likes of GE. I had done that. So I wanted something different for me. And this is different. Um, but well, also... Well, tell, us, tell us about it. Tell us about it. What is it that, yeah. you're, going, that, that you're going to be doing? Because there's so much buzz yeah. and chat around the environment and energy investments, yeah. it really is a hot space at the moment. Yeah, well, it's a huge hot sp- space. I mean, and we're in, in countries like South Africa. That's where Pascal, my brother, started out. And we've um, we farm in India. We've a uh, farm in Afghanistan, where we are working with countries that don't have enough power in their grid. So we are basically putting power through solar panels, building them on structures, um, inverting them into the into the into uh, the likes of of ESCOM and into DABs and, you know, the equivalent of the ESB in Ireland and giving them power so they can make sure that they have sufficient power for their countries. But it's a tangible thing. It's not some sort of investment infrastructure fund, which an awful lot of people are looking at as as a potential play down the line. You're actually... This is real things. This is physical stuff. So yeah. we are get either leasing land, buying land, finding out what the, the grid capacity is, what's needed in the grid. We're building, we're running that whole piece from soup to nuts. Um, and it's really exciting because you know what? The amount of feedback we get from people going, you're changing people's lives. And that's the industry and the businesses I have worked since my career, being GE, being PayPal. We are making a difference to people's lives and changing the world. And this is a whole new opportunity for me in building farms 
solar farms. I mean, you know, I know nothing about a solar panel. I could tell you everything about a solar panel now. But again, it's making a huge difference. And that's what I'm doing. And now I'm sort of doing it for myself. I'm doing it for the feeling brand. And I'm we're growing a great business and a great opportunity. Well, you're, you're not giving your background. You're not doing it to do a small venture. It's not no. kind of, no, this, there must be some sort of grand plan, a global plan here. Yeah. So as I said, we have 150 million balance sheet. I will go that balance sheet to a billion. And that's my first, um, you know, my first number that hits every every employee that we hire. And we're doing a huge hiring phase at the moment. So again, a great opportunity, but also making a difference to people's lives. Okay. Well, you mentioned their hiring. I think that brings mm. us on to the first point that we're, we're going to talk yeah. about, which is this idea of people. Now, before we get into people within your organisation, mm. we might talk about when you are doing that hiring process, mm-hmm. how you go about doing it, the pitfalls, the opportunities, the good things that you've learned over the years. Yeah, so I think, Ian, it is. So let me just start by saying people, our businesses are built on people, not technology. Everything you do, you do around people. And if you don't set your people up for success, they will never set your organisation up for success. So that starts with hiring the right people. And to me, the first thing you have to do is you have to identify what is the gaps you have in your organisation. You don't want 10 of me because that'd be a really bad idea. What you want is 10 different types of people that bring different skills, competencies. But above all, you want people with the will and the will to be able to do whatever needs to be done to make the business successful and support each other as a team. That's yeah. what's important. And when you're, when you're identifying those, I mean, I, I think an awful lot of people, they say, I'm hiring, I've, I'm going to hire 100 people and they hire just quickly 100 people. But I think, it's, I think you mentioned before, it's about identifying the gaps that you really need and being really sure about how that person is going to fit within the organisation, how that skill sets. And an awful lot of that will come down to interviews and setting out clear job specifications. Exactly. So the first thing is when you're going to hire somebody, you have to have a clear job spec. So when that person reads it, they can relate that to their experiences, their skills and their competencies. So many of those job specs, Louise, are, are, are nonsense. You know, it's like, must be a team player, must have ability to learn on the spot. I mean, Yeah, so here's what I would tell you. You're, you're a fair comment. Some of these, the job specs are written by people that don't understand what the actual job that the person is coming in to do. You have to write the job based on what is needed and required for to fill the role that you're looking for. So I would say, first of all, companies need to spend more time making sure that they have a very good, clear, concise job spec that describes the job. Not talking about words that's fluffy, that don't mean anything. So that people can demonstrate in an interview process, tell me how you have ran a sales organisation. Tell me how you brought your sales from 100 to a million. They have to be able to demonstrate what they did. And if you're asking the right questions, you'll identify have they done it or have they not done it. Right. So to me, that's basic table stakes. If you don't have a decent job spec, shame on you as a company not to set that person up to be applying for the right job. Because if I look at some of the job specs, you're 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 bidding more than you're actually taking on and looking at. And that tells this own story that the job spec is not actually refined enough for the person to be clear what they should be applying for. Yeah, it's it's interesting because so many people put so much effort into their job interview and looking through the job spec when they're going for the job. But I suppose equally it's important that the employer puts that level of time investment into making sure they're prepared 
Absolutely. So I think it's more important for the employer to be prepared with going out what they're looking for. That is the most important thing, I would say. The second most important thing is the person that's coming into interview can relate and can I give examples of each area of the job spec that they are talking to and doing. But the third most important thing is now you hire the person. You need to make sure when that person walks in the first day, you sit down and you go through that job spec with them and said, this is what I am holding you accountable for. So there's no fluffiness around. It's a job spec. It's actually reality. And what I would do is I give them the job spec and I go through it with them. And then I say, now you write out your goals and objectives that you believe that's going to set you up for success. And you and I will sit together and review them. So then you are very clear on what they're accountable for. Too many people come in and say, there's the job, sit beside Mary or sit beside Johnny and you learn from them. That's not how work needs to be done. We have to be fair to these people that you're bringing to a new culture, a new organisation that we set them up to be successful because if they're successful, that will make money and success for the company. Like from your own, from your own experience, I mean, how many of these interviews do you sit in on? If you were, I mean, obviously you were employing thousands of people in PayPal, it's not realistic to, 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 you know, sitting in on 6,000 job interviews or whatnot. I mean, at what point does, you know, would you have, have sat in or entered into the process? Right. So great question. So first of all, you know, in PayPal, what we've done is we would have set up a proper interview training for our team leaders and managers because they don't know what they don't know. So you have to set them up to be successful. And I would have interviewed every manager in PayPal to make sure they were a PayPal fit. So my team would have interviewed to make sure that they had the skills and competency. And then I would look, meet them to feet where they a PayPal fit and had they got the will to be able to work in a culture and environment like PayPal. When you say PayPal fit, I'm intrigued. Mm. What do you mean? Well, so culturally, again, you know, it's that can do attitude. You might be asked to do something that that something, somebody else couldn't do or you may have to be asked to stay late or you may be. Asked, so you have to make sure there's a fit yeah. that. And again, it's a cultural fit. So when you're starting out like in, in, in Feel and Energy Group, it's a much smaller. So everybody does everything because there's only so many people to do. So one day I'm, you know, interviewing for, for funding and interviewing for a, a, a group financial controller. The next day I'm looking for offices. The next day I'm buying the milk. That's how life is when you're starting up a business and moving the business like we are from a headquarters in South Africa to a headquarters in Dublin. That's what life is about. So you have to make sure as people nimble enough to be able to, you know, bend and sway, but not bake and have they got the resilience to be able to fit into a, an entrepreneurial business or fit into a corporate business like a, a PayPal or G. And how do you keep them motivated and happy? I mean, this must have been a big thing in PayPal and will become an increasingly big thing. As, as, as the field and energy group grows and grows. But once you've trained someone up, making sure that they stay, because there's so much mobility, particularly around younger workers now. They want to travel. They want to go off. It's the big thing we keep on hearing. It's really hard to hire and it's really hard to keep. Like you did some very interesting things around allowing people to travel or if they stayed five years, given a, you know, a, month, a, month, a, yeah. a sabbatical paid, a bit of paid leave. Mm-hmm. I think employers, do they need to be more nimble around these things? Yeah, but I think it's a two-way street and I don't think it's an employer's responsibility. It's equally an employee's responsibility because sometimes the pendulum can switch the other way and it's all giving from the employer and it's all taking from the employee. And I think you have to balance that, to be fair, to the employer and the employee. But I think there's, there's, there's work to be done. I think there's still work to be done. Look, we all want to make sure you walk in the door and you're spending six or eight hours in an office that you're happy. That's 
basics, right? You're spending more time with, with your people in work than you are with your people or partners or husbands or wives at home. So it has to be an environment that you can grow and, and flourish in. But also that there's a learning that's both ways. is a two-way street that we're not all given and they're all taken because we learn from our new employees as well. They're bringing new skills and competencies because you shouldn't be hiring the same skills and competencies yourself. So then there's a learning opportunity for you and the rest of the employees. But certainly it's making sure that you're setting an environment and culture that people can excel in and can make mistakes. They're the awesome failures that you learn from and, and that's what's really important as well. There's opportunities and we need to make sure we give everybody the opportunity. Before we move on to culture, when you're looking at a, at a CV, speaking around a younger level, I mean, is there something that might tweak your interests? Like, you know, is it that they were involved in charity? Is it that they, you know, they did sales for a period, that they showed some entrepreneurial spirit? Is there a different thing? Because so many CVs look the same now, particularly in business. They've gone, they've done their commerce degree, they might have done the master's, whatever else, and then suddenly they're out into the world of work. What, what can separate people? Yeah, great question. And here's what I would say. Um, you know, I think we're in a culture now than we were years ago where everybody goes to college. It's like tick the box. Um, and, you know, here's what I would say to people when they come to me for interviews is your, 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 your college qualification is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And, you know, hats off to anybody that has done it or does it. But that's only one piece of the pie. That's now you've got your qualification. Now you have to look at what your skills and competencies are and what things you have done throughout your short career, like whether it's working in a, a, a news agent, whether it's working in food or whatever it is. You're faced with customers and they're the most challenging times because you're actually face to face with customers. You can't hide behind a telephone if you're in a customer service environment. So anybody that's worked with a face to face customer in a retail or in, in a food business brings huge skills. But the other third piece that people forget about is behaviours. How you show up ready to be engaged every day. And that's part of a behaviour and you have to make sure that you live and breathe behaviour. So, for example, if somebody's in sales and they're doing a fantastic job selling and they're selling and they're meeting all their targets, but they're not having a conversation with the rest of their team, there's a behavioural issue. Because a team is about a team of people, not team. There's no I in team. So, again, companies are very aware of there's a skill, there's a competence and a will. And then that's all wrapped around with how you behave. How you show up ready to be engaged every day to your job is really important. And that's that culture piece as well. And that comes from the top. Absolutely. So culture comes from the top. If, As I've said in many, many interviews, a fish rots from the head. So if the head of the organisation is not right to set up the culture, it will not work properly. So all CEOs and leaders have to make sure that they set the culture tone at the very top and then work with all the teams upwards and downwards to make sure that they set the right ethos within the company. But it's so important to understand the culture and culture is part of, you know, the people that are doing their jobs, how you do your job and how you behave in the job. So there's a whole behavioural piece and there's a whole skills piece. There's a whole qualifications piece, but they are not. They're mutually exclusive. So it's so important when people are interviewing people and when they're setting up targets and setting up up um, people to live accountability. There's a piece around delivering the numbers, but there's a piece around how you deliver the numbers with your behaviours. So you have to be very clear on setting that up, that if you decide to do all the sales and do a great job on sales on your own and forget about the rest of the team, you should not be getting paid your bonus. But so many, so many 
employers look at and say, oh, that guy, a bit funny, bit odd, or that guy or girl, bit funny, bit odd. But just they bring in the numbers. So they're, they're given an awful long leash in an awful lot of in an awful lot of places. Yeah, well, that would not be how I would set up. Because yeah. far as I'm concerned, that's not team and that's not setting up the business for success. And if we all stood as eyes, we'd never actually have a business that's grown as a team. So I think we have to be very conscious of the fact that that's a behaviour that needs to be called out and needs to be managed and support that person to integrate into the team so everybody is being a team player. Um, do you write down your list of culture of, of what it should be or is it something that grows organically within the business led by the top? Well, you, you, you really call out your, your vision. What's your vision? What's your mission? And what's your values? And if your vision, mission and values, you live and breathe by your vision, mission and values and then you set the tone of the culture because the culture is constantly changing with whether you're growing, whether you're increasing, decreasing, whether you're bringing in different skill sets. So culture is something that has to be worked on every hour of every day. It's critical to the success of an organisation and culture is driven from the top and supported by the business all the way down by all the other managers and leaders to make sure that they are calling out cultural gaps but making sure they're putting plans in place to bridge those gaps. Uh, I know you're non-executive and and advisory boards to a number of of companies, Ryan, you're on the board of and then you've also worked as an executive director in lots of different things. I mean, how do you find that balance from looking at it? Because an awful lot of Companies are afraid, you know, it's, they don't appoint independent directors. They don't appoint non-executive directors. Mm. Do you think there's a place for that in more privately owned companies? Oh, absolutely. And so I mentor eight women in the Going for Gold program, which is sponsored and supported by KPMG. I just did a session yesterday for them um, in KPMG. And here's what I would say is... Um, Look at I sit in the board of Ryanair. It's a fantastic opportunity for me to learn, but also to bring the skills that I have learned to the board and to have that conversation. So it's independent view. And sometimes you're so close to everything, you don't have that independent view. I think an independent view is fantastic. The big challenge at some companies that are smaller is the cost of that and putting somebody like that. But I would tell you, it's looking at the, as I said, eight women I've I have coached and mentored for six months. I'm still in contact with lots of them where they're going, Louise, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? As I said yesterday, I did a four-hour session with 10 women around people, the difficult conversations, culture, you know, how you deal with things. And I think it's really important that we constantly try and support as a non-executive director, but also constantly giving back, which I am, to the Going For Go programme through KPMG to set up women who are trying to be entrepreneurs to grow their business, but obviously trying to reduce the pitfalls that we all fall into at different stages in our career. You, you mentioned that, and just from talking to them, I mean, it's something that crops up again and again. Men are more willing to make mistakes. Women are very cautious. Is that something you've seen? Or are we getting to the point now where more and more women are just going to make that entrepreneurial leap? No, I think more and more women are going to make that entrepreneurial leap. And I think it's the things that we're doing through going for growth. And that other, are, yeah. there's lots of great lots programs of and lots initiatives. Of them, lots of them. Business and finance do loads. Lots and lots and lots of them. There's loads of awards that we, 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 we definitely support men and women. But I genuinely do believe it's all about people. People. Well, that's a, that's a great sentiment. Louise Finn, thank you very much for joining me here today on the Insights for Entrepreneurs podcast series with KPMG Private Enterprise. And the very best of luck with the business going forward. Thanks, Ian.